Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Movie Attic Headquarters with your host, Betty Jo Tucker, author of Confessions of a Movie Attic, right here at www.blogtalkradio.com. Hi, movie fans. This is Betty Jo Tucker thanking you for tuning in to Movie Attic Headquarters. You don't have to be a movie addict to visit here, of course. But if you are one, it's definitely the place for you. That's especially true today, folks, for we're honored to have the award-winning filmmaker, Nicholas Eliopoulos, as our guest. Nicholas boasts an impressive three-decade career as a film director, editor, and producer. He's won an Emmy, two Golden Reel Awards, and three Golden Scissors Awards. His movies include some of my favorites, Out of Africa, Nine to Five, Foul Play, European Vacation, and I think this is a concert movie with Martin Lawrence called Run, Tell, That. What diversity. He's here today, though, to talk about his wonderful documentary, Mary Pickford, The Muse of the Movies, which is being released on DVD today. I think this DVD is a must-see for anyone who loves the movies. What more could movie addicts wish for, I ask you? It's about a legendary silent screen actress and the birth of the movies. Plus, Nicholas, who produced, edited, and co-directed the documentary, made sure both stories are told with skill and heart. So it's my very great pleasure to bring him on now. Welcome to Movie Addict Headquarters, Nicholas. Well, hi, Betty Jo. Thank you so much for having me today. You're uh, you know, absolutely the... Go ahead. There's just, there's just one correction. I, I co-produced it, but I did all the directing myself. So we got the oh, co Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, there's so much about this documentary to remember. So so you did all of the uh, all of the directing and what a brilliant job that you you did. I I just have been so eager to tell you how impressed I am. With this well, documentary, it was, quite a, quite a, it was quite a labor of love, and I do thank my co-producer Elizabeth Wood Coldicut for because without her and her finding the financing, it would never be. So, I'm happy to talk to you about it today. Well, we're happy to have you here to talk about it. And but first, I want to mention that the uh, chat room is open, I believe, uh, and I'm I'm going to check with. Uh, Nikki Starr to see if all systems are go in the in the chat room. Nikki, um, everything ready for listeners to sign in if they want to participate? It is, and we're very very excited. Great. So thanks, Nikki, and thanks to the people who who will be signing up, as well as to our other listeners. Uh, Nicholas, I'm curious to know what motivated you to make a film about Mary Pickford. There were so many great silent uh, film stars, but but why Mary what? Pickford? Well, you know, when I started this, I, I knew very little about Mary, and uh, I had gone to the University of Kansas as an undergrad and studied film there, and when I went back for a reunion, uh, Mary's last uh, third husband, Buddy Rogers, had come there, and this was mm-hmm. after Mary had passed away, and uh, 
he had graduated from uh, University of Kansas in 1927. Uh, I mean, he graduated earlier and went to California and starred in the first movie to win a Best Oscar uh, Academy Award in 1927 called Wings. He was the star oh, of Oh, yes, I remember that. And, uh, he came back, and we got to be friends with his uh, wife, uh, Beverly Rogers, uh, who he married after Mary passed. And they invited me when I came back to California uh, to come up to Pickfair. And um, it was actually Pickfair Lodge then. It was on the uh, property of the larger Pickfair. And it was hand-built uh, by Mary and Buddy to house all of her memorabilia. So when I went to visit, I began to see her Oscars and all the things that she collected. And uh, later found out that Buddy and Mary had owned her library of most of her films. So he lent oh. me some, and when when I saw the stature of this woman and heard stories from Buddy, I said, is anyone getting great Hollywood stories on film? And Buddy said, well, I don't know. And so we started. We started with his interview. Wow. Way and <laughs> Way back then. Well, you you said, of course, that it was that it was a labor of love. So it's taken you about 15 uh, years to uh, to put this documentary together. Is, am I right about that? Yes, that's uh, a lot because we would work on it, and then I would get more footage. And then, of course, I had a regular job as a film editor and sound editor, and, and uh, I produced two or three other documentaries that I directed. So, uh, you know, it was always coming back to Mary, which I started years ago, and, and uh, I was so fortunate to um, have gotten many, many sound interviews through her life, one from Kevin Brownlow and from the BBC and from Australia and all these places. And after listening to her interviews, I was able to edit them down over 18 hours of audio interviews to have her narrate, you know, part of the story herself. So it's a very personal journey to uh, hear Mary talk about her career. Oh my gosh, that part really, really got to me, Nicholas. That the fact that that we could hear her talk not just about her uh, the films, <laughs> but we talk, we heard her talk about her personal opinions. We heard her talk about uh, her, you know, how she felt about uh, artistic contributions, and just I think it it just absolutely made this documentary great as it is but something special so uh, congratulations for uh, for doing it that way although michael york uh, the narrator does a great job too but uh the fact that you you put in these interviews with uh with mary pickford it just it, it was just a marvelous way to do this but you you had um Many challenges, I'm sure. Well, yeah, they um, they this. sort of do a they do sort of a nice uh, tag team, uh, uh, um, you know. And my writer Janelle Belnicky, who lived in London, we worked back and forth in the editing room, and uh, Michael York created the uh, bridge through Mary's storytelling, and they do a great job together. I just happened to see Michael this morning with he and his wife, and. They send oh. their best, and they're very excited to get their DVD. <laughs> so, well, well, yes, and what a what a gem this is—the <laughs> DVD. And I, I just want to encourage listeners 
to um, to do get a copy of Mary Pickford, the Muse of the Movies. Uh, you know, you won't be sorry, especially if you're if you're a, a movie buff or you just love the movies. Now, the title. Could I ask you a little bit about uh, the Muse of the Movies? How did that title come to you? Well, that um, title we knocked around quite a bit, and uh, it came up because uh, being with, of Greek heritage, you know, I sort of love yeah. the Greek uh, muses, all all twelve of them, and Mary was was a combination. And the fact that uh, Eileen Whitfield, who's also in a Canadian, wrote, wrote a wonderful book, uh, Mary Pickford, the woman who made Hollywood, and uh, so in a sense. You, when you when you watch the film, you get to see her importance in the beginnings and the shapings of the actual industry. And uh, to me, she was kind of the muse for the birth of the movies. She was inspiration, the uh, the conceptual uh, part of so many many establishments that that uh, came through through the industry during the years. So we just came up you know, with the muse in the movies. Well, I like that very much. And um, while we're talking about that and the and the influences that uh, Mary Pickford had on the cinema, what do, what would you think was her greatest influence on cinema? Well, um, I would say, I mean, she made fifty two features. She started mm, yeah. in feature films. She made over one hundred and forty one short films. That's a lot. And uh, they were all within a four-year or five-year period. And what she discovered uh, during that, I, I would say long about up to around 1912, she had perfected, I think, the first method acting. In other words, she would say she would never do anything on film she didn't feel first. And then later years, George Cooker, who is a very famous woman director, uh, yes, said he was. That his quote was Mary Pickford invented screen acting. She was the first method actor. And uh, I think that that uh, tore, and also her being the first actor to ever have her name above the marquee on a cinema screen, she was also the first actor to ever have a profit participation of her movies. And these were all things that she felt was right and she pioneered. And uh, those are invaluable to people who came after her. Well, I think you're right about that, and I, I like what you said about uh, method acting and being uh, actually the person who invented <laughs> acting for the screen because um, in your documentary, it was pretty clear that uh, in the early days of the cinema, uh, they were bringing in these uh, actors and actresses from um, the stage. Mm-hmm. And so the it was broad. I mean, the, the acting was just exaggerated. I mean, it was just it, so. There is this little petite <laughs> Mary Pickford. She's kind of rebelling against that, and I, I think she had some trouble with with some some directors um, when she when she wanted to do this. Um, did I read that correctly? Oh yeah, she was quite keen. She'd uh, give D.W. Griffith quite a, quite a stir for his time because he was used to having everybody do it his way. But, you know, they had a very love-hate relationship in a good way, in a way that each made them grow. And so uh, I think he appreciated her uh, 
she used to dig her heels in. And if you look at a lot of her films, most of her films are that kind of a character. Even her little girl that she pioneered, like uh, Chaplin pioneered the little tramp. Uh, she was a tough little gal. She stood for her rights, and she wasn't going to be pushed around, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I really enjoyed that. I mean, she was very, very assertive, and she knew what she what she wanted, and uh, she must have become quite uh, all skilled in knowing what would work for the for the camera. I think you mentioned something um, in the material that you sent me that some kind of lighting she was re- responsible for too. I didn't quite understand that though. Yes, uh, as a matter of fact, it's not in the movie, but. Um... One day, uh, well, also, Mary Pickford was responsible for the uh, first close-up. Uh, Pickford decided to move the camera forward and uh, try to shoot her, you know, her from the waist up. And uh, when the producers saw the dailies, they said, what is this shooting an actress, only half of an actress? We're, we, we're paying for her whole weekly salary. We want to see her feet, too. <laughs> it's funny oh. things like that. And so Mary one day was in her dressing room, and she played so many little girls in her movies that she had to constantly look young. And she put her makeup mirror on the table, and the sunlight uh, kind of drifted through into the to the to the um, the makeup room and hit the mirror and flooded up on her face. And she knew, she realized then that she looked even younger when she was lit from below. So she went out, and of course. Then, like you say, things came from vaudeville, from theater. So they all the early lighting was above, you know, like stage lighting. And she yeah. said, well, can you bring one of these spots down and light me from the bottom, you know, from below me up? And, oh, they had such a fight. No, we'd never do that. What are you talking about? It's going to be terrible. So she would keep after them. Finally, she could convince them, well, how about if just do one take like that, then we can do three or four the way you usually do. So they humored her. And when they saw it in the dailies, they were they were flabbergasted, and uh, it became the baby spot. She invented the baby spot. They made a little light from then on to, to light actors from below and uh, used today. That's very clever of her, <laughs> absolutely. And that kind of reminds me of uh, um, things that I've read about Marlena Dietrich and how she was so uh, picky about uh, the lighting for her films, and she, you know, learned everything about uh, lighting. So she can thank uh, Mary uh, Pickford for kind of setting the standard for actresses to speak up <laughs> when they think well, they have a better a better way uh, to do that. Well, you talked about the uh, Mary Pickford's little girl character, yeah, and it was so much fun to watch her even in her 30s playing this little girl with the long with the long curls and um this is how of course she became America's sweetheart and how she made so much money was primarily on the on the little girl character that that she played but it's just fascinating to me that she could do the little girl when she was in her, in her 30s and do you have a maybe a favorite picture or two that she did as that character? Hello? Oh, I think Mr. 
Iliopolis got cut off. Oh, here he is. Let's hope he's hope he's back on. I'm going to try to get him so back on. So much Hi, for Nicholas. cell phone. <laughs> so much oh. for cell phone. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm oh, sorry. I'm well, traveling now, so I didn't have a landline to call you on. <laughs> well, that's all right. It's, it sounds good, but that is the problem with cell phones. But I have to tell you that uh, I that um, thank heavens that I had a co-host for one show. In fact, I think it was the uh, it was maybe the first year that we were we were uh, doing the show, and I got cut off halfway. And so one of the call, people who called in and the co-host had to carry on the show till to the very end. And I think they were talking about Debbie Reynolds, and they both were oh, fans no. of Debbie Reynolds. <laughs> so they well, they went on without me and did did a much better <laughs> job than I than I did. But anyway, I'm glad I'm glad you're back. And I was asking you about the uh, if you had any favorite Mary Pickford movies, especially when she was in that darling little girl character that she played so well. Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, I must say, after years of watching nearly everything, not all of her 121 shorts, because some of them have been lost and are not available, mm-hmm. but I've seen most all of the features, and I can't have to say, I know I might be a little prejudiced, but it's the truth, and I think if anybody independently will do this, they'll find it that I, I didn't find one film that I didn't enjoy her performance in. But, wow. but there are favorites, but she's... Yeah. Uh, quite different in everything. And I will tell you, speaking of the little girl, uh, her favorite film, I have a little interview that didn't make the movie because I found it too late, where she actually says that Rebecca of Sunnybrook Farm was her favorite film. And uh, it was directed by her favorite, one of her favorite directors, Marshall Nealon, and written for the screen by Frances Marion. And uh, I, uh, I enjoyed that. And then, out of Zucker, who started Paramount, of course, bought a poor little rich girl, and uh, he wanted her to do that, and she rebelled a bit against it because she thought she was too old to play a young girl, but she did it so masterfully. But my favorites are a few of her serious films, like Stella Maris she made, where she plays two roles. She plays oh. this really beautiful Stella Maris and then this really shy, backward Unity Blake. And it's a split screen. She plays both roles. And uh, even some of the crew on the set, when she came dressed up as uh, Unity Blake, didn't recognize it was Mary. She makes such a transformation in it. So I love that movie. And I also love The Love Light. It's one of my favorite ones that Frances Marion directed. Well, the um, the one where she played the two roles... I really enjoyed uh, the way you presented that in the documentary, and um, I could not tell that this was the same actress playing these playing these two parts. So I can see how people would would be confused and not be able to recognize Mary Pickford. She she really had uh, such a command of the screen in terms of knowing how to get the character across without any without any words, you know, just with facial expressions and body language. And it's just no wonder that she was such a hit and uh, that she was called America's uh, sweetheart. Do you think there's any actresses today that um, remind you of Mary Pickford or that will end up being as important as Mary Pickford? Well, it's kind of hard uh, to 
because the industry is so far along now. When when she was there, she had opportunities. She had, uh, you know, there was no even income tax when she started. Her and Chaplin and Griffith and, you know, I mean, there was so 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 much opportunity to create an industry that probably she will be unparalleled. But what comes to mind is I think the closest behind the camera and in front of the camera might be someone like Barbara Streisand who, who you know, did oh. so many fields and is such a good businesswoman but directed masterly, masterfully and uh, maybe uh, Angelina Jolie's coming up now. She has a way to go, but she started directing. So some of them might catch Mary, but it's going to be a hard one. Oh, definitely, but I do like the two people that you suggested, and and I couldn't help think about, well, she's no longer with us, but Lucille Ball was was quite uh, involved in in her uh, projects. I believe that she did actually own the studio at one at one time, and that she had uh, she she was quite uh, skilled in in uh, a skilled businesswoman. Uh, so I thought that there might be a comparison, you know, between the yeah, two. So but I don't think Lucille Ball ever directed any, uh, any no, movies. No, she had so much to say about it. But as far as women-owned studios, they're in a very, very small club. It happens to be three, Mary Pickford, Lucille Ball, and Oprah Winfrey. And yeah. uh, <laughs> Oprah wasn't wasn't really known for directing or being producing features, although she has, that she starred in. But they're each in their own way. They were strong moguls, strong women. As a, it's a small group of three. <laughs> yes, and and we really owe them a debt of gratitude for the things that they that they have uh, done. Now I'm I am so in love with this this documentary that's uh, being released on DVD today that I I would like uh, to hear you tell movie fans <laughs> why you think they will why they will enjoy it and then I'll kind of chime in too with my reasons why I think they'll enjoy it. Well, um I think uh, one student kind of put it to me one day he saw an early uh screening of this and he said, "Gee, I've been studying this period for so long. Uh you know, I've read about D.W. Griffith, I read about Adolf Zucker, who started uh, the movie business, and Pickford and Fairbanks. But to actually see them on the screen in the flesh, interacting with Chaplin, and uh, it, it was mind-boggling for him. So it brought a sort of reality. I mean, just to see Mary Pickford sit there with her friend Amelia Earhart and chit-chat, it's, it's a great bit of footage. <laughs> and I oh, think that's what people enjoy about having it all kind of streamed together in one big hunk where you get a feeling of the first 25 years of cinema. I agree. That's um, that, that. It's a double whammy, you know, getting all this information about Mary Pickford and then all this information about the about the early days of, of cinema. And, but I, there are some highlights that I, I want to make sure that we, we cover. You You did cover one that I picked out as a highlight for me, and that is, of course, uh, uh, the film. I think it's a home movie with Amelia Earhart and Mary Pickford. They were actually the two most famous women of their time, talking and joking together. I, I just loved that that scene in the documentary. <laughs> and then I liked uh, this one. This one may be my fa- my favorite. Mary Pickford <clears throat> and Douglas Fairbanks, the swashbuckler 
Banks, who was um, Pickford's hubby at the time, placing their hand and footprints in cement outside the Chinese theater. I think they were the first stars immortalized in this way, and I don't want to give anything away, but it was quite amusing to me how they uh, came up with this with this idea of the hand and footprints in in cement, and I loved the whole movies featuring um, Mary and the dashing Douglas Fairbanks and um, their friend Charlie Chaplin, who may not have been Mary's friend later on. I don't I don't want to go into that, but I thought the scenes of them together were were very interesting, and all oh, those scenes from Mary Pickford's classic silent films i just i just loved seeing those all those revealing interviews with lillian gish and douglas fairbanks jr and buddy rogers we talked about and then i think you included an interview with um roxanne uh, rogers and that was, uh, was the only interview that mary uh, pickford's daughter has given about her yeah. mother i so that was it quite is. And uh, my my uh, co-producer Elizabeth uh, Coldicut had done um, her participation in this was also she was doing her thesis uh, in American history and the film became oh. part of her thesis and uh, we decided when we were doing it that we would only interview first person. Uh, testimonials. In other words, they were people who actually knew Mary. A lot of documentaries have film critics and they have people that they don't, didn't wasn't weren't really there but have a lot to say about the films and things. But everybody in this film, including Mary Pickford, knew knew her, you know. So it it makes it much more intimate and firsthand. Oh, absolutely. It it added a lot to um to the documentary, and you know, I'm like you. Uh, you said that be, before your meeting with Buddy Rogers and getting started on this, you didn't know too much about Mary Pickford. And I, I all I knew that she was called America's sweetheart, and I, I know the image of the little girl with the with the golden curls, but I, I didn't know that she co-created United Artists Studios. I, I had no idea about that, and. That was the first company that was owned and run by actors. I think you, I think you mentioned that, and I also didn't know that she was had a hand in founding the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. So that yes. that was all one new. Of, she was one of the original founders of that, and they honored her by uh, naming their Hollywood um, Theater and Complex the Mary Pickford Center on Vine. And uh, oh, she also, one of her, you know, she she worked for nearly four decades in film, but you'd be five decades if you talk about her philanthropy and her work she did after she retired. And one of her real uh, passions was the uh, initiation and beginning of the motion picture home to take care of the elderly that, that weren't able to. And it's still out there today, and, uh, and uh, she started that. It was her idea. So she was quite an innovator. Yes, she was, and uh, very caring about uh, other people, and it, that came through loud and clear. Now, did uh, she was a, was fairly reclusive as she as she grew older, I think. But you didn't want to go into that part of her 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 life, and I'm kind of glad that you that you didn't. When how old was she when she died, uh, Nicholas? Uh, she died at um, 87 years old. 
1979. In fact, I had moved to Hollywood. If I'd only known Buddy, then I would have got to meet her, but uh, our paths did not cross. And uh, I think for the maybe the last decade, she was pretty reclusive, but also she was feeble at 87 years old and couldn't go out much. And uh, and I didn't really find much documentation other than hearsay about her drinking, and I found that most everybody at Hollywood drunk that year, that at that time. So it wasn't really something that – this movie is more about her accomplishments, uh, and I tried to stick to stuff that I really was able to, to find a lot of documentation about. I'm glad that you – I'm glad you did it that way, and um, I'm glad you put together this documentary where, as my husband said when we finished watching it, he says, I feel like I really know Mary Pickford. And you, that very seldom happens, you know, when you watch a watch a documentary. And I certainly felt the the same the same way. I like the I like what you said about um, discovering that Mary Pickford was born in the same year that Thomas Edison invented the movie camera, and that's how you knew the two stories were were intertwined. And that was very uh, very well done. In the, in the film, so we got a lot of Mary Pickford, and we got a, a lot of the early cinema, and um, we were not bored in any 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 second of that movie. It was just uh, it was just fascinating all the way all the way through. And I I want to thank you for doing that documentary. And I'm wondering if we can uh, talk uh, turn to some kind of personal professional things about about you um is that okay or is there anything else okay. you'd like to add about the documentary before we go to this well um um gee there's so much to talk about but i i really did enjoy the fact that when when i saw that we could tell both stories it makes it a bit of a more wider documentary than just about a person's life but mary was so integral in her career growing with the movies growing that it just was a natural and uh when I accidentally ran into her daughter, which is another story for another time, uh, it was the only uh, interview she ever gave about her mother. And I have so much more that she talked about that's not in the film. Maybe if we do a Blu-ray, we'll have additional material. But she told great stuff, like when Madame Shang Kai-shek came to visit up at Pixera, little uh, Roxanne would sit on her lap, and Mary would take him out to a drive-in movies she loved to go to drive-in movies and she couldn't really see over the steering wheel she was so short when she drove she'd have to look through the steering wheel and they'd all be petrified <laughs> <laughs> but there's a lot of fun other stuff that someday i could maybe tell from some of these uh, extended interviews oh great i hope i hope that you do add, you do add that so um there's just so so much as as we've said <laughs> that people could say about this and i'm i'm really happy that it's that it's getting so many wonderful reviews too and uh, but i do want our listeners to know more about you because you haven't just done mary pickford uh, the muse of the movies you've done uh, so many other movies i'm I know that uh, my listeners are curious as to why you decided to become a filmmaker. We're glad you did, but why did you decide uh, that that was the place for you? Well, um, it's interesting. When I was uh, 
my father in Kansas City, Missouri, and his brothers own indoor theaters. And uh, so they brought me off uh, with the cashier. They'd go shopping, and uh, she'd babysit me, and I'd watch the movie over and over again. I remember the child looking up, trying to figure out where this light from the projector was going on the screen and what was that all about, and uh, going up in the projector booth. And then later, when uh, I was growing up, my father and his brothers sold the indoor theaters and had a drive-in movie so I used to pop popcorn at the drive-in every summer and and uh, then my mother's sisters uh, moved to California when they were young in the 30s and became costume designers so when really? I visit, yeah when I would visit Los Angeles in fact Angela Alexander my mother's sister that's her married name she she was very good friends with Marilyn Monroe, and I met oh. her as a little kid, and I got to take my picture with John Wayne. And so after oh a couple of trips to Hollywood, I was a, I was a sunk. I was sunk. That was going to be my future, and that was all there is to it. I'm so jealous. Hollywood in your in your veins. <laughs> yeah, I've always Nothing loved else. Movies. Well, you sound like you're a movie addict, so this is a good show for you to be on because we we all are too. And um, from from this massive list of films that you've done, and of course you've done a lot of uh, TV also, do you have um, a favorite or two that you'd you'd like to tell us about? I mean, my goodness, Out of Africa, Nine to Five, Foul Play, European Vacation, those kind of films. Uh, Well, each one of those were. Each one of those were so separate and so different. And when you work in uh, editing and sound editing like I began in, I got two Emmys for uh, Wallenberg, A Hero Story, which was uh, part one and part two. And that was with Richard Chamberlain, kind of an early Schindler's List. And uh, So I've always loved sound. That's why I could sit there and edit all those little pieces of Mary's uh, narration because in the early part of her career, her voice was much higher in the later years, decades, it was much lower. So we had mm-hmm. to balance all that out and try to to smooth it. In fact, one Q&A person in Toronto at the uh, Toronto Film Festival asked me, how did you get Mary Pickford to come in for looping? <laughs> <laughs> that was a good Magic. compliment, but I said that she was long gone when we started this. So I just love to edit. I love films, and, and uh, I did two... Two other documentaries, one uh, on Russia, Russia Today, and then when the communism fell, we were the first ones to go to Russia and a documentary. I did one called Visions of a New World with Ted Danson and Marsha Mason on kind of eight different people's vision of a positive future. Then I did this documentary, and I'm just doing one now on uh, Colin Higgins, a uh, my dear friends that I worked with as a director, he did Nine to Five and and Foul Play, that's the horror house, and he wrote the movie Harold and Maude, which just came oh, out on Criterion. On oh, that's going to be great. <laughs> when do you think that'll be ready for us to see? Well, that's uh, that's going to be probably by the end of the year. They just put out a new high def version of the original '70s movie of Harold and Maude by Criterion, and they may carry the documentary. And uh, it's pretty fascinating uh, interviewing everyone he worked with and knew. And oh. so uh, I'm, I'm enjoying doing that. So I just love movies from all ends. 
Yeah, you you'll have to come back and talk about that one when it's ready to to be released. That would be that would be very interesting. Uh, would you do that? I'd love to. That would be great. <laughs> Good. Now tell us what you did on nine to five. I'm I'm curious well, about that. Well, that was a that lot of movie fun. Just just I laugh from beginning to end on that one every time I see it. Well, one of the beautiful things was I was in charge of the Lily Tomlin fantasy sequence, and we oh. hand painted. 14,000 original cells for that three-minute sequence. You're and kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, we, we did it the old-fashioned way with cells, and we got uh, Freddie Helmuth, who used to do Winnie the Pooh for years at Disney, and uh, a few other people, and we just stood there with all these animators and did those little birds and those little animals, and it was the Snow White send-up, and that yes. took most of the movie. And then after I finished that, I went into supervising the sound editing for the whole film as well. Wow, that must—I bet that was uh, that was really uh, hard hard work, but but very satisfying when when you saw how it how it finally turned out. Oh, I lo- I loved that. That was that was my tryst into animation and my tribute to Walt, which who was also in the documentary with Mary Pickford, if you know if you remember. I do. Yes, we did. We did have some some uh, Walt uh, Disney. <laughs> I mean, it, every everything that matters <laughs> was in if they had the, the, the music. If they had yeah. become a partner in United Artists, uh, they really would have had some cash. <laughs> they would have. He would have made them some money. That one one little one little mistake. So, well, I think we have time to check with Nikki um, and see if she has any comment or question. For you, unless she's multitasking here, but let, but let me check and see. Uh, Nikki, uh, do you have uh, any report from the chat room? We've had a few guests coming in, and uh, they haven't identified themselves right. yet. But it's, but it's, it's uh, go ahead, Nikki. I didn't I didn't have any questions except for that it's been such a great show. Oh, I agree. I agree. Really has. Do you have any um, comments other than that that you'd like to share? Or is there one of the one of these movies that's a favorite of yours that uh, ha- that uh, Nicholas has worked on? Well, I haven't seen any of them. Uh, now you're going to have to. I know. I hate when you do that because I'm, I'm the producer, not the movie addict. Well, I am kind of a movie addict, but I I will write down some stuff and see it. I feel very out of the loop, so. Well, you're younger than I am, so I can I can understand that. But you must check out nine to five. That okay. I think that would be a good starting place. Okay. Do, do you agree with that, Nicholas? No, I think she should start with uh, Martin Lawrence's stand-up comedian film, Run Tell That. That'd be better. Oh, okay. <laughs> I haven't seen that. I'll have to get. You can see me in the bonus material. Hey, nine to five. Isn't that a Broadway play? Uh, yes, Dolly Parton made it into, uh, you know, she wrote a whole bunch of music uh, uh, that went with it, and uh, it's touring now. It went to I Broadway and touring. Okay. Well, then uh, great. okay, I'll watch the movie. <laughs> and, and the Martin Lo- Martin Lawrence one. So, so we have our we have our assignments here. Well, uh, I see that the time is going by. It's gone. It's just gone by so fast. And I I have one question that I <laughs> I like to ask all of our guests. And uh, so we're not going to let you off the hook on this one, Nicholas. What's the most important thing you want listeners to know about you and your work? Well, gee. Uh, I think that my, in all of my work, no matter what it is uh, uh, in the broad scope of what I do, my, my intention is to make the viewer feel something, feel something deeply about 
the subject of the film or, in a way, be able to feel something deep about themselves. And I think, for the most part, I get to accomplish that. And I always do it with a slash entertainment point of view because I think you have to have a laugh every so often to kind of blossom everything, you know. Now well, I know I why say. I like all of your all of your movies that I've seen because that's exactly the type of philosophy that I I would support. <laughs> that's well definitely well well said. Well, I want to thank you um so much uh, for being with us today Nicholas. You've been such a terrific guest today and I'm going to hold you to coming back when when you um when you have your ne- next documentary ready ready to rehearse. So so you'll so so you're you've agreed to that in front of uh of our, our listeners. So we so we can That's count on that, right? That's a promise. I'll be there. <laughs> okay, well thank you so much and we'll we'll talk to you then and uh best of luck with the with the um uh, uh muse of the movies and I'm encouraging all our listeners to check out that uh, documentary. You you won't be sorry that you did. And it's been a real treat having uh, having you on our show. But it's time to wrap things up. So this is Betty Jo Tucker giving a big shout-out to the folks at Blog Talk Radio for their support and for featuring this episode as one of today's staff picks. We really appreciate it. Thanks again to Nicholas Eliopoulos, as well as to Nikki and our chatters and other listeners. I hope everyone enjoyed the show. I know I sure did. Please come back next time for a spirited discussion of superhero films behind the scenes with Stephen Shohet, author of Hollywood Stories. Now, Stephen's been our guest before, and he's just uh, been a favorite. And he promises to regale us with fascinating behind-the-scenes tales about Batman and Superman and Spider-Man and the Avengers and other screen superheroes. So it should be a fun show indeed. In the meantime, don't you forget to check out our film reviews at realtalkreviews.com. That's R-E-E-L, realtalkreviews.com. That's all for now, folks. So let's close the show with Charlie Chaplin's haunting theme from his last silent movie, Modern Times. <laughs>